the 2020 MLB season will be one like any other that we have seen before. A 60-game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable. But that's where Greg Peterson comes in. He's got you covered daily, highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm hello. Welcome to Love You Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Now in conjunction with Book It Sports. Very excited to be able to announce this as Jeff Parles is going to be telling us a little bit more about this in the second segment with Book It Sports. They're doing a great job. Think about a social media feed for sports betting. That's exactly what it is. The app is going to be coming out on November 1st for both Android and iPhone, and it's going to be absolutely superb because you're going to be able to track line movement, get up-to-date scores, you're going to be able to take a look at other people's action on there, updating records, everything like that. It is going to be terrific. You're able to follow them on Twitter at BookItHQ, and Jeff is going to be telling us a little bit more about that in the second segment. And more importantly than that, we are also going to be talking about just both of these series that are going to be going on. We're going to be diving a little bit more into the National League part of things just because I think that we are both of the assumption that the Astros are not going to come back from a 3-0 deficit. We were recording this as Game 4 of the ALCS was going on, so there was a little bit of question there, but we're certainly going to be talking about who the Rays would rather see in the World Series, so we're going to be diving into that. And then in the final segment, I'm going to give you guys a sign of total on both games on the MLB betting board and something I like to call touch them all. Do note that I'm going to be able to give you a little bit more on the Dodgers versus Braves game just because with the Rays versus Astros games, we've got to be determined starters. So there is that. And one thing that I have determined is that I always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. If there is something that you'd like answered, fire that into my Twitter timeline at Jairus41. If you send these via direct message, well, letters DM to me mean does not matter. And we did get in one today. So let's dive into it. So you have questions and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. We get this one in from Betcha. You can follow him on Twitter at PlayBetcha. He has at Jairus41. If I look into player props when it comes to the MLB, be. And this is one of these things in which I really do not. We've had on a couple people that they dive into the strikeout prop market. I know that Ariel Epstein, someone that we've had on a couple times with Sports Grid, she does a great job of being able to hone in on this market. And if there is one that I would recommend you play if you wind up taking some of these player props, that probably would be the one just because when you're taking a look at things like hitter props, odds to hit a home run or not, it is a little bit of a roll of the dice. Now, obviously, you're able to take a look at a hitter's history versus a specific starting pitcher. So you do have that little bit of an angle with it, but it certainly is one of these things where I feel like you are rolling the dice. That's why whenever you find a lot of these home run props, things like that, you're going to be finding them at a little bit more plus money. Now, there are some more simple ones, and I will say, I am out here in Las Vegas. There's many, many more offerings when you get out to the East Coast. I know that places like FanDuel, places especially like DraftKings have been offering more of this, as well offshore sites. So out here in Las Vegas, we're actually a little bit behind when it comes to the player prop market. So I think that that's sort of why I really don't do any of them. But I mean, it's just one of these things in which I don't want to be really rolling the dice as to, okay, will Ronald Acuna Jr. be that guy that winds up getting the big hit for the Atlanta Braves? Will it be Travis Sayer? No. I'd rather just take the lump sum because 
there are just so many times in which a guy can be as cold as an Eskimo ice cube, and then we wind up seeing someone like Randy Rosarena, who has all of a sudden become Mr. October. So, I mean, it is one of these things in which I just really stay away from it. I'd like to know what is tried and true, which is a side in total for me, so I've just sort of sucked there, but certainly am open to new ideas. I just need a couple more offerings out here in Las Vegas before I wind up diving into that market. So, hopefully you guys enjoyed that answer, and just a little bit as to why I right now stick to the side in total. Certainly something that has become a little bit more expanded, along with live betting as well. So it certainly is an ever-changing market, and something that is always changing is these series out there in Major League Baseball. We are going to be having both of these series extended into Thursday as a result of the Houston Astros winning. So let's take a look back at what we all noticed from Major League Baseball with both series on Wednesday. Tried to find some trends and tried to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. As I mentioned before, the Houston Astros were able to get a win over the Tampa Bay Rays. This was by a count of 4-3. to three. And for the Houston Astros, what had really turned around for this team is that they didn't strand 100 million billion men on base. They stranded at least 10 men on base in each of the first three games of the series. In this one, they just wound up getting a pair of home runs and they wound up stranding just four men on base. Jose Altuve, who certainly has had his noted struggles out there in the field, he winds up getting his third home run of this series and then you wind up having George Springer being able to heat up. He winds up going deep for this team. For the Astros, Zach Greinke, a man that had given up three plus earned runs and eight out of his last nine starts between the regular season and postseason. He looked very good in this one. He did wind up giving up five hits. He was able to evade some danger though. He gave up two runs. Both of those runs came on a home run by our good buddy Randy Arozarena. He winds up getting his fifth home run in the last two series. I mean, here are the things right now on planet Earth that are hotter than Randy Arozarena. The core of the Earth. That is it. I mean, it is absolutely incredible what he's doing right now. For Tyler Glass, though, it's been incredible the way that he has not come through in his last two starts. Well, last three starts, because there was that start in which he went two and two-thirds innings against the New York Yankees, but in starts that he's went north of three innings, he has given up four runs in each. He wound up giving up all four runs to the Houston Astros on Wednesday, giving up both of those home runs. Jose Alvarado and Aaron Sligers from there wound up coming in, and they gave a scoreless inning for the Tampa Bay Rays. Had a couple chances, and they just weren't able to cash in. Other than that Orozarena home run, they just weren't able to get a lot generated, so we are going to be having a Game 5 in that series, and we're certainly going to have a Game 5 in this series, as the LA Dodgers, after falling down 2-0 in the series against the Atlanta Braves, they just took it out in spectacular fashion in the first inning on them. 15-3 the final, and more impressively, this game was 11-0 before the Atlanta Braves even stepped to the plate. For Kyle Wright, he's going to want to take the tape of this start, put it into a time capsule, bury it into the core of the earth, and never dig it back up. He winds up going two-thirds of an inning, giving up seven runs, all of which were earned. This for a guy that, over his last four starts, was actually doing a very good job. He had given up a grand total of six runs, five of which were earned over his last four starts, going six-plus innings in every one of them after he had a rough start to the year, but man, things flamed out there, and somehow, some way, he didn't give up the most runs of any Braves pitcher on this day. Grant Dayton came in from there. He wound up giving two innings of relief. He gave up eight runs, all of which were earned. These two guys gave up a combined five home runs. Max Muncy with a grand slam in the first inning. Jock Peterson went deep off of Mr. Wright. Mr. Dayton got taken deep by Corey Seager, Corey Bellinger, along with Edwin Rios. So there was that. And for the Dodgers, they actually wound up stranding 12 men on base in this game. There were a lot of people on Twitter saying, should Julio Arias even be the starter in this game? Do you want to save him? I think that the right move was made because as we know, 
Pitchers are a little bit of a creature of habit. He winds going five innings in this one. He gives up one run. Kenley Jansen came in in the sixth inning. I mean, that's where things are at with Kenley Jansen right now. He threw a scoreless inning. You had Adam Clareric give up two runs in the ninth inning, but I mean, this game was 15-1 to at the time. Adam Wood, Pedro Baez also gave the team a scoreless inning. And for the Atlanta Braves, their biggest sign of life was the fact that they were able to get a home run themselves. They've got someone that I think is really going to be the future of this team. He has had to fill in for Adam Duvall. That'd be Christian Pache. He winds up getting his first home run in the postseason. He wound up taking a selfie afterwards as he was finding his team still down double digits after that home run and for the Atlanta Braves they were really saved by the fact that Uskar you know actually looked very good out of the bullpen he went four innings he gave up just one hit now he did walk four but he gave up just one hit didn't give up a run and then from there you had Jacob Webb and Shane Green close out the final two innings so certainly some twists and turns when it comes to these series and to talk about both of these series with me next that'd be our good buddy Jeff Parles you remember him from the Vegas Sites and Information Network he's now doing tremendous work with Book at HQ doing their podcast podcast of Parlay Cast. The app is going to be coming out on November 1st. So we're going to talk a little bit more about what Book It Sports is all about as they are going to be playing a big part of this podcast moving forward. And we're going to be talking about both of these series and having some fun with them. That is on the other side right here on the Baseball Bank Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. As you guys now know from the first segment, this podcast is now being powered by Bucket Sports. And who better to get on than a man that does the parlay cast for Bucket Sports? And if you're looking for Bucket Sports, you're able to follow them on Twitter at BucketHQ and at Bucket.Sports. And it is Jeff Parles who joins me on the podcast, a man that we all know very well. He has joined me several times. He is now doing the Parlay cast for them. And you're able to follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Parles. And Jeff, it is good that we are sort of on the same team now. I know that you're doing some absolutely superb stuff, and always great to get you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, I wouldn't say short of, Greg. We are on the same team again. Yes, sir. Uh, regardless if that's good for you and I, we might we like old school fisticuffs again. No, um, Greg and I would never the blows for myself, for Nick Yall, for Atia, for the entire Book It Sports team. We are so thrilled to have this. And Hooping with Hoops also going to be uh, powered by Book It Sports going forward. We're thrilled to have you, Greg. We're thrilled that we were able to make this work. And it's a big boost for everyone involved. And we love having you apart of the Book It Sports family now, Greg. And it is good to be a part of it. And the reason why I say sort of is because you're now out there in New Jersey. I'm still here in <laughs> hey, Las Vegas. I, I got to tell you, Greg, I'm coming back soon. I can't tell you yet because the dates are still being worked out. But I will be back in Sin City before 2020 ends. Assuming 2020 doesn't take either of us out, that will be meaning <laughs> that we're in the same city. Yes, I will be back. It's more than halfway through October already. Which is amazing that we're almost we're almost at the finish line of this horrendous year, Greg. Soon, sooner rather than later, man. And w- that also means that we're almost through the baseball season. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. It felt like yesterday I was betting on Spencer Turnbull to knock off the Cincinnati Reds, and they actually did so that opening weekend. But with that said, speaking of getting knocked off, that's exactly what happened to the Atlanta Braves yesterday. They got completely destroyed by the Dodgers by a count of 15 to nothing. If you wound up trying to get a sandwich and thought, you know what, if I miss the first inning, I won't miss much. Well, you miss everything as the Dodgers 
set a new major league postseason record with 11 runs in an inning. And not just the inning, the first inning. I, this was just historically bad for the Atlanta Braves, who were up 2-0 to zero in this series. And now it looks like they're going to be having to go with Bryce Wilson against Clayton Kershaw in Game 4. It looks like all signs are leaning towards Clayton Kershaw starting this game. What do you make of this? Because I did think that the Atlanta Braves actually had a good shot of being able to get out early in this series. And then I thought, you know what? The back-end starters, they might not be able to come through. That happened to a T yesterday. All I'm going to tell you, Greg, is this series was made for people that like plus money because you had you had Braves plus money game one and two. You had the Dodgers at plus 200, plus 220 to win the series down 2-0. Which again, Greg, I know people say, oh, you get a better price if you steam them together. But you know what? That's the best price you were imaginably going to want the Dodgers at. Because if they somehow lost game three, only one team obviously has come back from 3-0 down in Major League Baseball history. The 0-4 Red Sox against the Yankees, very well documented. But you realistically weren't taking the Dodgers in that scenario if they lost game three. Which, as I was telling you off the air, I was actually playing tennis with the last shade of daylight here on the East Coast. (laughs) I walk off the tennis court. I check my phone. It's seven to nothing. I'm like, all right, fine. We legitimately take the five minute drive back to the house. And Muncie had obviously hit the grand slam at that point. I'm like, oh, okay, this game's over. We don't even have to bother. <laughs> Look, I think the big problem for Atlanta and, and Greg, we we talked about it at the beginning of the playoffs. You know, Max Fried is great. Ian Anderson has been shockingly good. He's been really good. Anderson hasn't allowed a run in three starts now which is absurd. So you now look at those two. After that, we knew after those two guys was really, really awful. Now, we did not expect what we got to right in that first inning. Very difficult spot for Bryce Wilson, who, again, I don't think is particularly good. Let's assume it is Kershaw with his back being healed. Uh, look, how could you not like the Dodgers? I would imagine that if it's Kershaw, we're looking at a minus 180, minus 190 price on LA in this matchup. So look, I'm not a fan of laying that big of a price. Probably a little run line with the Dodgers, but this seems like even though they're technical home teams, the road team is going to dominate the first four games of this series in the NLCS. So I'd look to play the Dodgers run line later today, Greg. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm certainly going to be looking at the Dodgers as long as it is Clayton Kershaw, like we suspected. There are going to be some question marks with it, but I mean, he's going to be going up against a guy in Bryce Wilson that has pitched more than five innings once in his career, and that was in July of 2019. Bryce Wilson is a guy that he had a nice start or two during the regular season, but you can't have any faith in him whatsoever. Now, I recognize what the Atlanta Braves did in Game 3. They pretty much trotted out there the less than trustworthy bullpen pieces with guys like Uskari Anoa. You brought in Shane Green. He's a little bit of a different guy, but you also brought in Grant Dayton, who wound up giving up, shockingly, eight runs, all of which were earned out of the bullpen. That's got to be one of the worst bullpen. That's got to be one of the worst bullpen appearances in the history of postseason baseball. But you also take a look at the LA Dodgers. They were able to rest their bullpen as well. You wound up having Pedro Baez along with Adam Clorerico out there. But guys like Pursuit or Gratterall are going to be ready at a moment's notice. And one thing that the Dodgers have that the Braves don't is say that Clayton Kershaw gets a start. He winds up having the back spasms wind up acting up again. You've got a guy in Dustin May that's able to come out of the bullpen, and he's able to give you multiple strong innings. Greg, you know what the most jarring thing from this game was? That in a 15-1 game, Kenley Jansen was pitching the sixth inning. That's my big concern. Let's assume that we don't see a historic comeback with the Astros over the Rays, okay? Especially with the way Houston's pitching works out. 
Tampa's going to make the World Series, barring something absolutely historic. And keep in mind, we're recording this right as Carlos Correa grounds into a double play in the sixth inning. Even though they have good bullpen pieces, if Kenley Jansen is unpitchable, they are in deep trouble in a World Series against Tampa. Because, again, that's a huge spot to put Gratterall, the rookie, in. We saw Pedro Baez get eviscerated earlier this series by the Braves. And also, I hate watching Pedro Baez pitch. It's basically watching Steve Traxel in the modern day again. And that's not fun with how long he <laughs> takes to pitch. Again, I still think the Dodgers win this series against Atlanta. But this is not a great matchup. And it was proven in the first two games. The Braves went right. They match. And Freddie Freeman, who I think should be the MVP of the NL, even though I think Mookie Betts is going to end up winning the award, has proven that he does deserve that award during this series. And we know how great Acuna is. And the problem that the Braves had the whole year was, again, circling back to the original point. The top two starters, again, as soon as Soroka went out, Freed, we knew was great. Anderson has been much better than expected. But they don't have the depth. And not having the off days in this series is a killer. Freed has to go on three days rest in game five as opposed to a traditional series where Freed would actually be able to go in game four on three days rest. And then you have an option to have Anderson even on three days rest in game in game five as well. So you don't have that in these seven straight days, which, Greg, thankfully, I didn't realize this until yesterday, the Major League Baseball actually did the correct thing, put the traditional off days into the World Series, which is the only way to do that correctly. They should have done it for the championship series as well, but uh, thus is life in 2020. Uh, absolutely. Things are just absolutely haywire with that regard, as we do have Book It Sports' Jeff Parles of the Parlay Cast joining me right here on the podcast. And I was just going to ask you that. What do you do if you're the Atlanta Braves in Game 5? Because we know that Game 4 is going to feature our good buddy Bryce Wilson. You had to think that it would have to be Max Freed that's going to be going on short rest because... I literally don't know what you're going to do. You could maybe throw out there a bullpen game. And for the bullpen of the Atlanta Braves before these last two games and before Grant Dayton completely blew it up, their ERA was actually very solid. Going into game two, they had went north of 23 innings, giving up one run. That is historically good. You knew it was a little bit unsustainable. But, I mean, this is a team that right now they've got two and a half starters. Kyle Wright had been very good prior to yesterday. You mentioned Ian Anderson. You mentioned Max Fried. I don't know who you'd have pitch maybe a game five. Would you go with Josh Shomlin, who has a starter during the 2020 season? To say that he was bad would be generous. I would throw out there Uskar Yanoa, but you know what? He wanted pitching multiple innings yesterday as well. I mean, it's just one of these things where your hands are tied if you're the Atlanta Braves having to go with someone on short rest. And even though Clint Kershaw had the back spasms, because of their depth with regards to the starting rotation, you didn't have to pull out Julio Rios before he was even set to throw a pitch. I don't know why this was even a discussion. There were so many people on Twitter saying, oh, they should just save Julio Urias for a little bit later. That's just one of those things where you completely throw off a guy's homeostasis. You know that these starting pitchers are creatures of habit. I think that you'd be doing more harm than good by not throwing Urias in that spot. Well, I will tell you, Greg, if Urias didn't come out for the first, if you listed the pitchers, you would have had the most hilarious voided bet in the history of sports betting. I yeah. will say that if you had listed your pitchers. Here's what I would do if I was Atlanta. If I somehow win game four and I'm up three games to one, I'm throwing Josh Tomlin in game five. It's okay. You then get Freed and Anderson on regular rest in game six and then game seven. That would be what I would do. I wouldn't even think twice on that. That is if you win game four. If you lose game four, like you and I expect them to, 
then you have a very interesting decision on your hand because then basically what you're asking then is you're asking Freed and then in all likelihood, if you lose with Freed in game five, then you're absolutely asking Anderson to go on three days rest in game six where you're trying to avoid elimination. If you win game five and you're up three, two, then all right, then you at least put yourself in a scenario where, all right, it's Josh Tomlin in game six. You put Anderson on regular rest in game seven and ride him as long as you can in that scenario. And you'd have Freed available on one day rest out of the bullpen as well. And also, too, as we saw in the ALDS, last now gave Tampa two and a third really good innings on two days rest in game five against the Yankees and helped spur that win over the Bronx Bombers in advance. So that's what I would do. If you win game four, throw Tomlin, get your two best horses ready to go on regular rest in game six and game seven. And then you'll have two cracks to win the series if Tomlin gets bombarded in game five. And if you lose game four, then that's the the big question. I'd probably throw Max Fried in game five on three days rest and see if I can get a 3-2 lead. And then, you know what? Go with Tomlin in game six and I lose that. Then I got my horse and Anderson in a regular rest in game seven against who would even throw for the Dodgers in that spot because I would imagine Bueller would throw in that scenario, on a short rest in game five, a regular rest in game six. So the dynamic we're never going to see again, hopefully, where you don't have these off days in the middle of the series because we're not traveling because we're playing bubble ball in Arlington, Texas. I do love that phrase of bubble ball, as we do have Jeff Parles joining me on the podcast. And then we were mentioning it a little bit earlier. We're recording this as game four of the Astros and the Tampa Bay Rays is going on. And we both have to agree it's going to be the Tampa Bay Rays in the World Series, barring something that is just absolutely absurd and ridiculous. And when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays, I think that they're going to be pesky for either the Dodgers or the Atlanta Braves. And I mean, it's just absolutely insane the way that they get their offense flowing because prior to the postseason, there really wasn't that one guy for the Tampa Bay Rays in which it's like, oh boy, if this guy comes up to the plate, you got to fear him. Austin Meadows was seemingly coming into his own towards the end of 2019 year in 2020. Just a little bit of a lost year for him. You've got guys like G-Man Choi, Hunter Renfro that they've got some power, but I mean, let's face it, they don't do the best job of being able to get on base. But now they have that guy as Randy Orozarena winds up going yard again in game four. This is absolutely ridiculous. And now you've given the Rays the one thing that they were lacking, that one guy that now all of a sudden you need to pitch around. Yeah, Rosarena has been absurd in this postseason, to put it lightly. I would say more than anything with Tampa is, and it, it just comes down to their pitching even more than their offense. Their offense has always been a pain in the behind. They've never been great. I would say this offense isn't even great that they had. If their pitching has looked as good as it's been most of this postseason, they're going to have a shot to beat either of these teams. Obviously, I like their chances better against Atlanta than the Dodgers, but it wouldn't shock me if they beat either team in the World Series when they get there again, blowing a 3-0 lead again, we could see it. And this is a bizarre year and there's no off days and all it takes is win one, all right, stack it together. And then for people that believe in momentum still, that would actually be a thing that could be turning into something. I'm curious to see what the price would be Dodgers raise because I'd be inclined to take a shot on the underdog raise in that series. If it's Braves raised, I think I saw Jake Cornegate at Westgate said that Tampa would be minus 140 against Atlanta, which seems correct. But in that case, I'd be inclined to take the dog, regardless of what the matchup ends up being, assuming that Tampa's there. That's the easy way to put it, Greg, because I think that Tampa matches up pretty evenly with both of the teams that are left. Goes back to Atlanta's starting pitching if it's Atlanta and Tampa. If it's Atlanta's top two guys can win their four starts, Atlanta's your World Series champ. It's kind of like the same 
in the Dodger series. If they win their four starts against the Dodgers, they win the NL pennant. So that would be the way I would look at it. A Ray Brave or Ray Dodger World Series, I would be looking to bet the dog pre-series, regardless of who the matchup is. So Braves against the Rays and then Rays against the Dodgers in that scenario. And it is very fascinating, all the parallels between the Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves. Top two teams when it came to bullpen ERA in the National League. Top two teams in home runs. Top two teams in runs per game. So you've got all that. And now you've got some parallels right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast, as myself and Jeff Parles, a part of the Book It Sports family. It is absolutely superb that you're doing the Parlay Cast, which is now four times a week. I know that the app is going to be coming out for wherever you wind up getting your apps, whether that be Android, whether that be iPhone, what have you. That is coming out November 1st. And I know that you're doing a great job of getting psyched up for that. You're doing a great job with your podcast and so much more. So let the good people at home know what you're all doing for Book It Sports and just how they're able to follow along on social media and elsewhere. Yeah, so here's the deal, Greg. The app launches November 1st, which is very exciting. Trent Addy, the CEO, came up with the idea a little bit over a year ago, actually 18 months ago at this point, and has really spurred action over the last few months, and the app's going to be ready on November 1st. Greg, I have the beta test in my hand. It is going to look a lot like a social media feed. You're going to be able to post your plays. You're going to be able to just make posts like you do on Twitter or Facebook. You're going to be able to keep track of your record, which again is a critical thing in this. You more than anyone know all the crap you get if you don't post your record one day, Greg. You know yep. that. Uh, so it's going to be a big thing where it's all in one spot. You know, I don't have to check Twitter. I don't have to check Action. I'll just go to book it. And do that. And also, too, coming about a month after the app launches, we're going to be looking at handicappers who are partnering with us at Book It Sports, and they will be, you know, the option to sell those, some of those picks, which I know, Greg, I know if we offered that, you would say no, because you are, you are one of a kind who is good with leaving the picks out for free. But hey, you join the app, Greg, put your picks on your profile. People will be able to follow you there. It's just another spot to follow people in the betting landscape. And we know, Greg, the sports betting landscape is getting bigger and bigger. And of course, the Book It Sports Podcast Network, ever growing with your two podcasts, Greg, my podcast, the Parlay Cast, playing her way with Olivia Moody and Haley Hull. They'll have Ariel Epstein on next week of Sports Grid, which will be great. And we're adding a soccer podcast. Our old buddy Tom Viola and Taylor Wilson will be starting betting the High Line, a soccer podcast coming later this week. So we're an ever growing network at the Book It Sports Podcast Network. And the book at Sports app, November 1, launching. Download it wherever you have your apps. Absolutely. And what I think is going to be so critical to so many of the people that are listening to this podcast as well, you're going to get score alerts and live moves when it comes to all the major sports as well. So that is something that certainly needs to be highlighted. And we always love to be able to highlight the great work that Jeff Parles does because he always brings it whenever he joins his podcast. So big thanks to Jeff Parles of the Parlay Cast, part of Book It Sports, for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time that I give you a sign total on both games for the Thursday MLB betting board and something you like to call Touch Em All. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in Lovey Las Vegas for Open with Hoops. Myself, Greg Hoops Peterson here from the Book It Sports Studios. And a big thanks to our good buddy Jeff Parles who's doing a great job with them. They're offering a little bit of everything with Book It Sports. The app is going to be out on Android and also iPhone on November 1st. You've got the Parlay Cast, which Jeff does from 11 a.m 
a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern every single day. He's a big part of everything that they're doing, and he's always a big part of this podcast whenever he joins as a guest. So big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast, and it is that time they give you a sign total for both games on the MLB betting board for Thursday and something I like to call Touch Them All. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarensCordy1. As per usual, we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order, and this begins with 975-976 on the betting board, a game that we were unsure if we were going to be able to get that would be the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're going to be playing against the Houston Astros. As it stands right now, because there was a little bit of a situation which we didn't know if we we're going to get this game or not. We have no official pitchers. You got to think that for the Tampa Bay Rays, they're probably going to be either going with a bullpen game or they're going to be going with Blake Snell. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, got to think it's going to be the game one starter for Amber Valdez. If it's anyone else, I'm going to be absolutely shocked. Luis Garcia has a little bit of starting experience, but for Luis Garcia, do you really want to be trotting out there a guy with one career MLB start? And that came on September 9th against the Oakland A's. To be getting the ball in this spot? Probably not. Maybe you send him in there for long relief if Framber Valdez winds up just pooping the bed. And then you've also seen Josh James get a couple starts, but he's been coming out of the bullpen. Christian Avier was used up on Wednesday as well. J.C. Young got a start, but I mean, he's absolutely awful, so... I mean, I've got to think at this spot, it's going to be Framber Valdez. And for Valdez, he's been good in pretty much every role that the team has thrown him in. He's made a couple long relief appearances here in the regular season and the postseason. You take a look at what he's done. In each out of his last five appearances, he's won at least five innings. And the only one in which he didn't go six was his long relief appearance against the Minnesota Twins. And he has given up two runs or fewer in every one of them. So if you're looking for a little bit of a stopper for the Houston Astros and a guy that might be able to extend this series, it is Valdez because in his game one start on Sunday, went six strong innings. He gave up two runs. Now, the four walks were a little bit unsightly, but prior to that, in the previous four starts that he had in this stretch, he had given up a combined four walks. I think that he's going to be able to do a solid job here, and he's going up against a Rays lineup that led the major leagues when it came to strikeouts per game. They struck out a little bit more than ten times at the plate for the Houston Astros. It seemed like they were finally able to get the hits that they had been so badly deserving because they had stranded a combined 31 men on base in the first three games of the series. They only stranded four men on base yesterday, so that is big Jose Altuve. He might be having his scuffles out there in the field, but he was able to get his third home run of the series. He's heated up. Carlos Correa had five home runs all the regular season. He's already got six here in the postseason. Only a buck 43 for the series, but how about Josh Reddick, Aledmi Diaz, along with Mr. Altuve, Michael Brantley, all guys hitting above a 300 for this bunch. So you've really been able to find it with the Astros. And then George Springer being able to get a home run in game four as well was very big. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, well, I was mentioning it with our good buddy Jeff Parles, Randy Otto Zarena winds up getting a massive home run for this team. For the Tampa Bay Rays, this is a spot in which they probably don't need to throw Blake Snell on short rest if they don't need to, so they've got a little bit more option here, which is why this is going to be a very volatile game. It's just hard to give you a real side without knowing exactly what's going to be coming about, but I can tell you, this is a series in which all four games have went under so far. If it is Frambar Valdez and you're getting a Tampa Bay Rays 
whether it be wholesale staff game or Blake Sell, and you get a total of eight or greater, I'll probably be taking a look at this little under. Now, I do recognize that this game for Game 5 is going to be played at 2.07 p.m. Pacific, 5.07 p.m. Eastern. So, with the way that the San Diego weather has been, it has been a little bit warmer, so the ball should be flying a little bit better than these evening games. But I do think that Valdez is going to be able to keep this game out in front of him. If you're seeing a nice plus price with the Houston Astros and it's, say, Valdez versus Snell, I might be very intrigued by that. If you're finding the Houston Astros as a favorite and you're getting a little bit of the wholesale approach with the Tampa Bay Rays, that actually might be intriguing because we have seen the Tampa Bay Rays do a very good job with the opener system. Now, the one guy that might cause me to wind up changing my mind on that a little bit is if you wind up getting just the wrong matchup in this spot because I would not like it if the Tampa Bay Rays wind up throwing out there someone like a... Josh Fleming, who wound up getting quite a few starts for the Tampa Bay Rays during the regular season. He made five starts, and it's not like he was terrible. He had a 278 ERA, so certainly far from that, but I just feel like there's going to be regression that is going to be coming in from. This is someone that wound up having an opener used for him in a couple starts later on during the season as well. He only got 25 strikeouts and 32 in a third innings, and with the Houston Astros' ability to put the ball in play, I do think that they would be able to get to him. Check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at Jaren's 41 cents as I'm doing this podcast podcast. No earthly idea what either team is going to be going with and we just have no numbers in general, but we do have numbers for this game. 977-978 on the betting board. You've got the LA Dodgers against the Atlanta Braves and this is out there in the great state of Texas as you've got Bryce Wilson who's going to be going for the Braves. Meanwhile, Clayton Kershaw on the bump for the Dodgers. If you're looking at the Dodgers, the lowest price that you're going to be finding here is minus $2. I'm seeing as high as a minus 230. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Bravos, you're going to be finding as low as a plus 180, as high as a plus 205 Five totals ranging between nine and a half and nine on the nines. Overs anywhere between minus one fifteen and minus one twenty. Unders anywhere between even a minus one hundred five. If you're looking at the nine and a half, nine and a half under has juice of minus one twenty, and the over is even. And this is the spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the over. If you take a look at games in Globe Life Park that has been played with the roof open. We have seen 8 out of the 10 go over the roof. you got to figure is going to be open once again. This has been the MLB's ruling just because with COVID-19, typically when you're out there in open air, it reduces the spread a little bit more. So that's been the way that they've been able to get fans back in the stands. So just a little bit of a logistical issue as to why they are keeping the roof open and not closing it. But when you take a look at Clayton Kershaw, you do have to question whether or not he's going to be able to go at... We remember when Max Scherzer was scratched from a World Series start last year. He wound up coming back, I believe, two days after he was scratched, and he looked very good in that start. Obviously, the Nationals wound up winning the World Series, and he wound up starting Game 7, so it's easy to say that now with Clayton Kershaw. We don't know exactly where he's at with regards to his back spasms because it was bad enough for him to wind up not starting in Game 2, so there certainly is that. We're going to hear various reports on this. I'm sure that the team is not going to say anything other than, oh, yeah, He's feeling absolutely terrific because that's just the way that it is. And with Clayton Kershaw, we all know about his postseason struggles. For his entire career, this is a man that has a, about a one and a half point higher ERA in the postseason than the regular season, but I will say this. Here in the 2020 postseason, it combined 14 innings. Now, he did give up two home runs against the San Diego Padres, but by and large, he has looked very solid. With that regard, wound up getting 13 strikeouts against the helpless Milwaukee Brewers in his first start, and then when you take a look at Bryce Wilson, I mean, this is someone that he looked very solid when he wound up getting a start against the Boston Red Sox. He went three innings. He gave up one run in the process, and then prior to that, five scoreless against the Miami Marlins in his other start of the 
season. So a combined eight innings across two starts. But, I mean, you got to take a look at it from the Atlanta Braves perspective. You are going to have a lot of your more trustworthy bullpen arms available because they trotted out their guys like Uscari Noah, Shane Green, who is one of the more trustworthy guys. But they had to really pick someone because now you have Mark Melanson, A.J. Minter, Darren O'Day, Will Smith all going to be available for this team. So that's going to be big. But you really need four innings out of Bryce Wilson. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to deliver it here. Because with the roof open, the L.A. Dodgers took full advantage of it. They were hitting a home run after home run. It's a very scary feeling with Jock Peterson, guy that hit below the Mendoza line, is starting to get going. Max Muncie had a very bad regular season when it came to getting on base. He was able to hit a grand slam in that game. I mean, Mookie Betts in this game wound up going one of three. I think that every single player, except for Chris Taylor that was in the starting lineup, got at least a hit. And I'm pretty sure that everyone except for he and Justin Turner down for what and Mookie Betts for that matter also got an RBI. So you've got a bunch of guys that were firing all cylinders in this game. And for the Atlanta Braves, let's not sell their lineup short. Freddie Freeman along with Marcel Zuna, Travis Arno, all at a 3.15 or greater during the regular season for Arzuna and Arno. Both of these guys hitting below the Mendoza line here in the series. Ronald Cunha Jr. only hitting a buck 11 for this series as well, but we all know that during the regular season, he had a 400 base. Ozzy Albies has hit a pair of home runs in this series for the LA Dodgers. Their bullpen has been a little bit shaky after being in the top two when it comes to ERA coming out of the pen. Now, you got to figure that you're probably not going to need to use as many of these guys because even if Clayton Kershaw does not necessarily go far, you're able to get quite a few solid innings out of Dustin May. So that means that you're going to have Victor Gonzalez, Bursuta Gratterall, Joe Kelly, all these guys available and up in the pen along with Jake McGee and Blake Tryon. So I do think that that's very encouraging for the Dodgers. I do think that Clayton Kershaw is going to wind up probably being able to go the full six innings. I think that he's going to be healthy enough to do that. I think it's going to be much like his start against the Padres. I think they'll probably give up a couple runs late. I would think probably something like six innings, give up three runs. But with that said, with this Atlanta Braves team, I just have absolutely no faith here in Mr. Wilson whatsoever. This is a Dodgers team that you can see it at the end of game two. It felt like they really figured out the Atlanta Braves. You figured that there was going to be regression that was going to be coming in for that pitching staff in general. It feels like it has come. I think that the Dodgers get to Wilson, and I think they get to him early, and thus the whole strategy of having a bunch of trustworthy bullpen arms after the fourth inning sort of goes out the window. It makes it a little bit of a haywire game, and for that reason, I'm going to be going with this total over and with the Dodgers. Out of their 49 wins between the regular season and the postseason, 41 of them have been by the run line as I'm seeing it right now. The run line price of the Dodgers is minus 140 in a lot of spots. I'm seeing Caesars at minus 135, seeing a couple other places at 145, but I do think that it's going to be a case in which the Dodgers either win this game by multiple runs or they wind up not being able to come through altogether. I do think that there's going to be quite a few runs scored by both teams. So we're going to be riding with this total over and I'm going to be riding with the Dodgers on the road line. And now we'll wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Thursday. A big thanks to our good buddy Jeff Parles, a part of our new family with Book at HQ. So great to be able to get him aboard. Looking forward to the app launching in about two weeks. All that it has to offer and the great podcast that he and so many others out there with Book at HQ are providing. So thank thanks to him and if you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast you're able to subscribe to the baseball betting podcast wherever you get your podcasts apple Podcasts, google play spotify stitcher and tune in and if you ever have a question for the podcast feel free to either fire that into my twitter timeline at jr's 41 or leave an apple podcast review rate this podcast five stars and then you're able to leave your question comment concern there as well so always appreciate you guys tuning in thank you so much and i will talk to you guys once again tomorrow hopefully i'll stay healthy and doing well